Welcome, dumbheads, to MDC, the Mega Dumbcast. In this season, I'm identifying the dumbest thing on every single goddamn page in a trio of adventure modules for TSR's Marvel Super Heroes RPG, starting with Adventure MT1, All This and World War II. Every episode is one page, every episode is short. All This and World War II was written by Ray Winninger and published in 1989 by TSR. Today we're discussing page 48 of All This and World War II. This is the last page of the adventure per se. Uh, it's the ending of chapter 23, The Big Battle, a chapter title almost Mennonite in its honesty and boringness, and we also get the epilogue entitled All's Well That Ends Well. Because as an author, it's not like you can dance in the end zone of a book. It's not like you can spike the ball. You've got to settle for the next best thing, which is to do a Shakespeare. And so the author does. But before we get to the epilogue, let's wrap up chapter 23. We talked about the big battle quite a bit yesterday, and I covered really all the high points. However, I didn't really talk about how to resolve combats in this little climactic war game. I talked about how to make a fighting role to represent a skirmish, but I didn't talk about the results on the universal table. If you roll a one, then you and all your buddies have to retreat one area on the map. You lost, you got to run away. Your opponent gets to choose where you go. As long as they're moving you back toward your starting area. So if you lose a fight, your opponent's probably going to scatter your units. If you roll a green, then same thing, but in reverse, you can move all your opponent's units. They all have to scatter. If you roll a yellow or red, then all of the opposing units are eliminated, just removed from the board, removed from play. As we discussed last time, it's meant to be pretty much impossible to lose this. However, you may need help from reinforcements, and if you do, then the author dings you a little bit of karma. You get 30 karma for winning this battle, but you lose 5 for needing help from reinforcements, and you lose 5 if you ever lose the allied post, even if you then get it back and don't lose the battle. So whatever the outcome of this battle, win or extra win, we move on to the epilogue, which will tie a nice tight bow on this whole plot, but it's going to be a quick bow. We've only got half a page here. Quote, the heroes say their goodbyes to the invaders, Dozer, and Holland. Goodbye, invaders. It was an honor to go into battle with slash against you. Sorry I tried to kill you for Hitler, Bucky. General Dozer, what can I say? Can I call you Bull? Bill? Tom? Anyway, doesn't matter. Bring it in. All is forgiven. I know you were under the effects of the hypno-wash when you were a traitor this whole time. You had no choice. There was no way to resist. I mean, we resisted. In the bunker. It's not like I killed Bucky. I was hypno-washed, but then I kind of felt like this is wrong. I'm not going to do this. Anthony Holland. I don't actually remember who you are. I've heard your name. I don't remember you doing anything in the time that I've been here. I feel like I remember saving your life, but maybe I'm thinking of a guy who died and you're a different guy. Anyway, doesn't matter. Whatever interactions we've had, I'm sure it was a pleasure. And uh, good luck with whatever your deal is. No, don't, don't tell me. Just good luck. Quote, Dozer tells the heroes they have earned the thanks, quote, of all the free world. And no one contradicts him. It's a great day for the Allies. Now, if you can take a hint, you can walk away there and head right into the final encounter of the adventure, but the author takes a moment to lay out some pitfalls. Quote, the heroes have one last opportunity to really foul up the time stream. They could do it in a number of ways, including offering their reference book to the Allied High Command. It does, after all, contain the identity of many Nazi spies, the location of all Nazi secret bases, and the Axis troop distributions and battle plans for the remainder of the war. Oh no, the time stream is threatened. The player characters are contemplating taking reckless action in the past to change the course of events. Don't they know it's the epilogue? That shit doesn't fly in an epilogue. Good thing the invaders are here to insist upon things. 
Quote, if the heroes propose to do anything but take themselves and their book back to 1989 immediately, Captain America will step in and remind the heroes and everyone else of their responsibility to the time stream. Tons to unpack there. First of all, when it says Captain America will remind the heroes and everyone else, I don't think they're talking about fucking Anthony Holland. I think they're talking about the players. Like, Captain America is here to remind all the superheroes present and anyone else who may be listening on another plane of reality, like anyone sitting across from me, the judge at the table, Captain America is also reminding them that unless we want to destroy all of time and space, it's time to, quote, take themselves and their book back to 1989 immediately. It really does say that. And by the way, my book, I don't feel like I own World War II, Inside and Out, All the People, All the Places, and All the Events by Hamilton Crane. And that's not just because I possibly checked it out of the Albuquerque Public Library. I just don't think that's our relationship. It's it's not that it's a possession and I'm the owner. That's a very passive role to give this book, which I remind you, has been dogging my fucking steps across all four dimensions this entire adventure. I don't think it's my book. I think I am its prey. I think that would be a more accurate assessment. In any case, Captain America says, quote, What seems like a good idea now could prove disastrous for the future. Let's leave the future alone. Go home. Only, as we know, that confidence, that patronizing attitude, that's a facade. This is rookie Captain America. He's not better than us. That's what he says, but what he means is, What seems like a good idea now could prove disastrous for the future. Let's leave the future alone. Go home. Because he doesn't want us cramping his style. We helped him with his shit. Now he's embarrassed and he wants us to leave. Because his claims here about the time stream. Captain America doesn't know anything about this, especially rookie Captain America. We know because he's such a fucking goober about this when he thaws out in modern times after the war. Not only is he angsty about all the lost time, but it's like he's surprised. He's like, what do you mean? Time passed? Things changed? Years progressed one to the other in a linear fashion, and now it's the 1960s? Oh. What is it, Cap? What's wrong? I'm thinking about Bucky. He's dead now. Well, not to be insensitive, Steve, but everyone you know is dead now. Yes, but Bucky. He was this violent teenager who saw me changing my leggings one time. You'll notice that this is no longer rookie Captain America. Once he's out of the ice, Captain America enters his awkward emo phase before he becomes the responsible adult Captain America that we know today. Everybody goes through this. There's no shame in it. But what we're dealing with right now is a rookie Captain America who does not know shit and, based on future evidence, has not even fully wrestled with the concept of time passing. I don't know who he thinks made him the boss of time. The invaders asked us for help. Captain America even suggested that we wear these random fucking bracelets, even though he didn't necessarily know anything about Crane's book or the picture in Fury's office. He just guessed we were from the future and further surmised that if we're from the future, of course we should wear bracelets. So he needed our help. He asked for our help. It says, in fact, that if we try to blow off the invaders and skip the big battle, the time machine won't work. The recall switch won't work because our present has changed so much from us fucking up the predestination paradox that there's no present to go back to, which initially seems like a clever idea. But like without getting into the weeds about all this, the whole reason this loop works in the first place is because the time stream already accounts for what we are ultimately going to do. So if we are ultimately going to fight this battle, then we should be able to return to the present since the present isn't really in flux according to these time travel rules. But never mind that. Why am I sitting here arguing with Captain America? Captain America does not know shit about this. But all of a sudden we're like, hey, you know, we were predestined to come back in time and destroy slash liberate that flying saucer for you. It was integral to the timeline, in fact, that we helped you out. And here we are against all odds with this book that contains all relevant information about how to win World War II. Destiny will not stop shoving this thing back into our backpack every time we're not looking. Maybe we're supposed to give you some info. And Captain America's like, 
No, somehow I'm certain that's not the case. You need to leave immediately before helping us anymore. Goodbye. I mean, this is all the information. This is way more impactful to the war than beating up one spaceship. And rookie Captain America's like, no, I don't want help. You need to leave. Leave immediately. Take your stupid book. So we do. We leave immediately and we take our stupid book. However, we are stopped on our way by a familiar face with one unfamiliar eyeball. Quote, notice how one of the allied counters reads, quote, howling commandos. This unit actually represents Nick Fury and his men. For purposes of discussion, we will assume that his counter survived the battle. In fact, the referee had better make sure this counter survives, because if not, we've entered a really ugly causality loop, since it was Nick who sent the heroes back to World War II in the first place. And then the box text works out just as you would expect. Quote, hey, you guys were great out there. The voice is somehow strangely familiar. Spinning around, you recognize Nick Fury among a group of soldiers that are approaching you. Fury has obviously changed quite a bit over the last 45 years. One man is holding an old flash camera. Hey, you guys got time for a picture? Why not, you think, as you quickly pose with Fury and the men known as the Howling Commandos, and then head off toward your captured time machine? As you leave, it suddenly occurs to you, you've seen the picture that man just took. It was hanging on the wall of Fury's office back in Albuquerque. Unearned exclamation point. Yes, we know. The picture in Albuquerque. What I want to talk about is a pair of things that have just been slipped past us that are both strong contenders for the dumbest thing on this page. Number one, we just go back to our time machine and go home. Just as simple as that. Remember when we landed here and the time machine was broken and stuck in a gully and surrounded by Nazis and the Nazis were claiming the time machine and we had to run away and leave the time machine behind? At the end of the adventure, we just simply walked to the gully and go home. I guess maybe the time machine was just overheating. Like maybe we just had to kind of, we were lucky it landed in a gully. It just needed to kind of sit in the shade for a little while, sort of cool down. And we're very lucky that those Nazis, I guess, didn't know what they had there. This mysterious craft with a big fucking band of stylized swastikas on the top that they just created. They didn't know what it was. They had, how could they know? It's not as though it was seen by one of the mind slaves of the Red Skull. Wait a minute. Yes, it was. It was seen by uh, General Dozer, in all likelihood. But also, if anyone at any point mentioned that we were time travelers, General Dozer heard it that way. And not to mention that, again, not to belabor the point, but when we left that time machine, it was being swarmed by Nazis. Not only did they not use it, they didn't take it away. They didn't sabotage it. They didn't even put a fucking padlock on it. They just left a functioning time machine sitting in a hole in the ground, totally accessible. Responsible people treat old refrigerators with more care than the Nazis treated this time machine. So we can just walk into it and go home. Now, you may recall that the time machine was broken. Uh, once again, that's not a problem anymore. You may also recall that uh, one of our options for keeping the Nazis from using the time machine was that we would all like circle around it and beat the shit out of it, like the printer and office space, so that the Nazis couldn't use it. I, I don't know what we're supposed to do in that eventuality. I mean, we have a science foil for the team for original heroes. That was established at the beginning of the book, but it's not like we can call them. We're in 1943. So if no one on the team is really up for fixing a time machine, certainly none of the invaders are going to be of any help. I guess maybe we work out some kind of work release thing with Baron Zemo. I don't know. Also, uh, this establishes that we could have used this time travel machine anytime. It's there and accessible throughout this whole thing. The recall switch does work. Although I guess what they're saying is that we're not allowed to use the recall switch until we do what we're destined to do here, which once again is nonsensical, but, but fine. If it's quantum leap rules, then fine. Like we're stuck here until we complete God's plan, do at least one roundhouse kick. Our friend Al makes a joke about boobs, but he doesn't call them boobs. He has a funny name for them. Then God lets us go home. I'm comfortable with quantum leap rules. But anyway, so that's, that's like dumb thing number one is this time machine is just fully intact. 
It doesn't even smell like Nazis in there. It's pristine. Dumb thing number two, you may have noticed, like in parentheses, literally in parentheses in the epilogue, the author is like, boy, I sure hope the Howling Commandos unit survived that battle, since units that are eliminated from the war game are killed. They don't survive the battle. What the fuck? You tell me this now? I had all my superheroes out there helpless. They can't even fight by themselves. These superheroes are like, they're like training wheels for tanks. You just have to like attach them to a tank unit and then go fight whoever. I'm out here handing out column shifts. You, Bucky, my innocent pouty lip teenage friend, go stand on top of that tank and go fight a flying saucer. You're, now you're telling me afterward that if they lose that fighting role, Bucky is dead. Nick Fury might be dead. The Howling Commandos might be dead. Captain America, Namor, Human Torch. Fuck Human Torch. If Human Torch dies, not only does Human Torch die, but his corpse is out of position to become Vision. And if Vision isn't here to be on the West Coast Avengers, is Wanda? She might be gone too. We've got a fucking landslide on our hands here now. I mean, I understand that you're meant to win the war game, but it's entirely possible to lose units in that battle. So we really could have used Dimension back in that chapter when we were running the war game that any pieces we lose in this game are dead. Those people are dead, especially since some of them are our player characters who should not be running in and tackling tanks if life and death are on the line. I mean, I know they're superheroes, but in terms of the rules of this war game, they're worth one column shift. They're worth plus one column shift. Like if you try to fight where there are lots of bushes on the ground, that's minus one column shift. So it's like our side has a killer ghost robot, but they're standing in a lot of shrubbery evens out. If that's the exchange rate, I don't need to be risking my killer robot for this shit. I can maybe send in a non-robot unit to take those bushes out. That seems like a better idea. But I guess that's a pretty easy fix. Ultimately, I think the dumbest thing on this page is this time machine. There was no reason, as we established way, way back, to leave this functional time machine lying around like this. And this ending doesn't even want to touch the question of, like, why didn't the Nazis take this perfectly good time machine? Or even, like, take it out of the goalie and take a good look. Or put the club on it, or whatever. Literally, all it says is, quote, after the battle is over, the heroes will probably start heading back toward their time machine. And then in parentheses, yes, it's still there, exclamation point. That is an earned exclamation point. In fact, I would have sat still for a couple more sentences about why Hitler and Zemo and company, after months or years spent building their own time machines and then losing them to the vagaries of the time vortex, decided not to pick up this one they found on the ground in a hole. Anyway, that's it for today. And that is the end of the adventure. Our heroes are home. All's well that ends well. Love's labor is lost. It's, uh, it's measure for measure. In 1943, handshakes all around, celebratory Shakespeare's, we're done. Join me tomorrow as we get an abbreviated look at the write-ups for all of the West Coast Avengers pictured in this book's illustrations and see if there might be one of them who stands out as a bad choice for this adventure. Like maybe one of the West Coast Avengers kind of stands out like a, like a sore thumb, like a bright red hairless sore thumb on MDC, the Mega Dumbcast. This has been MDC. New episodes drop every day except for Sundays, when all the previous week's episodes drop in one big megasode on the top-secret patrons-only RSS feed. If you'd like to get access to that feed and support the show, go to patreon.com slash megadumbcast. Contact the show however you want. I am Megadumbcast on Twitter, Podbean, Gmail, Instagram, etc., etc. This episode's theme music is Robinson's Grand Entry March, performed by the United States Air Force Concert Band. Thanks for listening.